Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've known for a very long time. We served on a net team together. He was actually my team leader. We've kept in touch. We both live in Virginia. He's a a priest for the Diocese of Richmond and actually the vocations director for the diocese. And one of my good friends, it's Father Brian Capuano. Hi, Father Brian. Hi, Julia. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Would you like to share anything else about yourself with our listeners? Sure. Well, I, I grew up in Virginia. Uh, my dad was in the military, traveled around a bit, but we planted uh, just south of Richmond, Virginia. And uh, in many ways, I've been there ever since. Um, I went to a local university, Virginia Commonwealth University. Then, of course, then we served together for uh, a year on that. Uh, I worked in Richmond at a parish uh, the year after that, applied, somehow was accepted to the seminary. And then I spent uh, several years in Baltimore at St. Mary's Seminary in Roland Park. Uh, and then was ordained in 2011, uh, served at a parish that you know very well, St. Bridget, for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been the pastor of St. Joseph in Petersburg, Virginia, since 2012. Uh, so I've had a nice long run. My parents are parishioners of my parish, so I have to be very careful on Sundays what I say. <laughs> my dad is one of the faithful ushers these days who are helping wipe down pews and uh, securing six feet of distance and all the rest. And occasionally I make it over to my parents for dinner on Sundays. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, when you're telling your story, I'm like, yeah, I know all of that because I've, I've lived <laughs> a lot of that with you, you know? <laughs> like... That's right. That's right. And then uh, just about two years ago, I was appointed by uh, Bishop Bishop Nestout, our, our current bishop, as the vicar for vocations for the diocese. And that's been an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed working with our seminarians and our discerners. Uh, and I've had really the good fortune of being able to serve in the vocation office in various capacities for really the entirety of my priesthood. Uh, it was probably the act of providence that I was assigned to St. Bridget when I was uh, the vocation director at the time, uh, actually lived in the room just below mine. So we had a chance to get together on a regular basis and uh, serve the seminary into the diocese. That's right. It's crazy to me, too, that I spoke a couple weeks ago with a, a woman who I entered the postulancy with, who is now the vocations director for the order that we were in, as she's still in. Oh, wow. And I just can't believe that you're a vocations director. She is. It makes me feel really old. And it's just very surreal. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> I have no idea, but it's been a wild ride. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I'm going to have you read the verse that you've picked. You've picked first Philippians or chapter one of Philippians 21, which is a short verse, but then we're going to talk kind of about the whole chapter. So whenever you're ready, Father Brian, I'm going to have you read that verse. All right. Well, gear up everyone because it's <laughs> definitely a doozy. But here you go. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, period. Right. Okay. So for to me, life in Christ, it, life is Christ mm-hmm. and death is gain. It's so short, but yet I'm man- managing to uh, mess it up. Um, let me give a little bit of background on Philippians. We did Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11 in last season, but I'm excited to revisit this book. It's a very short letter from St. Paul. He wrote it while he was imprisoned. And for, it's just amazing to me that it's, it's such a chapter and a book full of like love and encouragement. Paul's usually either writing for instructions or encouragement or sometimes both. And I feel like this letter to Philippians is just, it's very loving and very encouraging. And for him to be imprisoned while he was writing it is so interesting to me. And in this first section, this first chapter, 
it starts with a greeting, much like we see in other um, letters from Paul. I discussed Timothy recently with a friend, um, and we looked at like his greeting to Timothy, and I feel like this is similar. And this uh, passage you've chosen is meant to encourage the Philippians in one of the first Christian communities in Europe, which was Philippi in Greece. So that's a little bit about Philippians. Did you want to add anything to that about the book of Philippians, Father? No, I, I think I think you nailed it. It's really, I mean, from the very first line, it's extremely encouraging, uh, and I, 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 it resonated with me, which is part of the reason why this passage has continued to come up over the years. I, I came across the passage during a period of reflection in all places in the chapel at headquarters of Net Ministries in Minnesota, <laughs> right right after we got back from our two-week retreat. It was in a pretty big high, and I just spent some time in the chapel, and I just kind of fell on this line. Uh, and it just seemed to stick. You know, at the time, I was using one of the New American Bibles, you know, one of the big red ones that we always get for confirmation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I actually have a huge stack of them. Someone donated them recently for our confirmant. So it's kind of a nice uh, connection back to when I got confirmed. Uh, well, let's just say a few years ago. Right. <laughs> that Bible is still on my shelf uh, next to my chair, uh, well-worn. It's covered in tape uh, to hold everything together. Uh, when I had it at, at, at ministries and I carried it around throughout the course of the year when we traveled all over the place, I had one of those uh, grocery bag covers. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. We used to have to cover our books in contact paper and paper bags. Yep. So at the time, it had the brown paper all over it. And I had a habit of like writing verses and things or random quotes, and it was just covered. But at the very center of that cover was this line. It was a slightly different translation than the one that I provided, closer to the one that you provided. Okay. Uh, Life is Christ and death is gain. Uh, in this particular passage, the one, the version or the translation that I pulled out, it was for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, and it just it just stuck with me, and and constantly throughout the years that passage has popped back up again. Verse twenty one near near to that uh, in that on that cover was uh, a quote from the first chapter in the letter to James, uh, which again has come up uh, continuously, and, and to me anyway they've connected uh, in my life uh, throughout the course of ministry. Uh, and the the phrase that was on that jacket right next to this one was this. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's chapter 1, uh, verses 2 and 3 in the letter of James. Uh, and that passage, connected to the one, of course, that we're talking about today, reminded me of a story from the Flowers of St. Francis. Uh, it's the encounter between St. Francis and Brother Leo, where he says, Father, I pray you in the name of God to tell me, where is perfect joy? And Francis answers, If we arrive at our host's house soaked by the rain, frozen, muddy, and afflicted with hunger, knock on the door and the doorkeeper says, Who are you? I don't know you. And he closes the door in our faces so that we must stay outside all night long, freezing to death. If we endure this mistreatment without disquieting ourselves and without murmuring, but think humbly and charitably about the doorkeeper, believing that God is in charge. If we bear these injustices patiently and with cheerfulness, thinking on the sufferings of Christ for us, O Friar Leo, write it down that here is perfect joy. Above all the graces and gifts of the Holy Spirit, which Christ grants to his friends, is that of self-conquest and of willingly bearing sufferings, injuries, and reproaches, and discomforts for the love of Christ. This is why the Apostle says, 
What do you have that you did not receive from God? And that comes, of course, from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And I would not glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. The combination of all this pulls me to that first chapter of St. Of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, for me, it's convicting. Uh, as you know, uh, I'm a rather pessimistic, kind of glass <laughs> half full kind of guy. <laughs> that's why we're friends. <laughs> that's right. Kind of the, the old man in our skits from Net or the kind of the, the curmudgeon. Really, nothing's changed. As we're recording this podcast, I'm literally sitting in my chair in a cardigan. Of course you are. And I, I really prefer, I prefer realist as opposed to pessimist. I feel like we see it, you know, more realistically. But yeah, you're, you've totally been rocking that cardigan and that little rocking chair since we were 20. So <laughs> I'm not That's surprised. Right. All I'm missing <laughs> in my room is my, uh, is my rocking chair and right. my Afghan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what brings all of these passages together here for you? Because you just said so much. And for me, like I love St. Paul and this passage you've picked is so Pauline, but what kind of brings all those verses you just mentioned like together for you? Yeah, sure. So verse one, um, he starts out, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, uh, to all the saints. I, I, I'm constantly convicted by that. St. Paul believed that men and women could pursue holiness and could be in union with our Lord and the life of the church. And how often we need to come back to that. And then we get to, so that's verse one, mm-hmm. right? Then we get to verse three through five. I give thanks to my God at every remembrance of you. Right? That's what's convicting for me is more maybe a realist or a pessimist that he's giving thanks every time he thinks about the Philippians, praying always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. And, you know, isn't that uh, the makeup of our Christian life? It's a partnership together in union with Christ in joy always with joy in my every prayer. And that's really where I connected back with that passage in that exchange between Brother Leo Mm -hmm. and St. Francis. Consider this all joy, regardless of what you're encountering, regardless of what you're involved in. It's a moment, an opportunity uh, for joy uh, and to be able to give an authentic remembrance of one another. And I think I started by saying that Paul's writing all of this while he's imprisoned. And I was so struck by that. It is so encouraging. And as you mentioned, it's so joyful. And as we're you know talking, we've already admitted that we're not necessarily the most optimistic people. And yet this reads, like, I, I'm curious, do you think that St. Paul is an optimist? What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he constantly has all these difficulties. And he you know, talks about how he's you know, been shipwrecked and, and whipped this number of times and stoned and run out mm-hmm. and all the rest. And yet he constantly has his gaze fixed on Christ. I mean, consider just that that encounter that he must have had in his conversion of the risen Christ. You know, so powerful that he could be labeled as one among the apostles, even though he never walked with him uh, in those earthly years of our Lord's ministry. Uh, he had his eyes fixed on him and is able to give gratitude in the, in the, in the most... Uh, you know, severe of circumstances, you know, and so for me, it's just this an invitation to a constant prayer. All right, Lord, you know, help me to remember to give thanks, you know, remind me that my life is meant to be a perpetual offering to you for the sanctification of souls. And that's, that's applicable for all of us. You don't have to be a priest to be able to make a perpetual offering of your life for the sanctification of souls. That's meant for every Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not a matter of just getting through the task lists of the day. But it's really about an encounter, mm-hmm. about seeing the Lord, 
about seeing the people in our lives, uh, about the possibility of conversion. You know, I ran into some folks uh, in Petersburg last night, even, and just the very witness, you know, I, I kind of stick out, I guess, uh, <laughs> running around in my collar. And uh, they said, hey, we've got questions. And two hours later, I was still sitting there as people were just lo lobbing these questions, one right after the other, uh, and us being able to engage. And then at one point, somebody just stopped and said, you know, everybody at this table, you know, we're Christians and we have this common thing. And look how distinct things are and look how we're finding answers to questions we didn't even realize we had. Just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so can we, in the midst of our day, regardless of how that day looks, you know, can we be giving thanks? Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, that's how I, I get eventually to this, this verse, verse 21. You know, you turn to verse 8. Uh, for God is my witness. How along for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, I have a limited affection. You know, and so how, Lord, increase in my soul. Help me to have a real, true human affection for those who are in my life. You know, help me to be in a place where I can help others discern what's of value. How necessary this is today when there's so many of us that seem to be without hope. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are able to see Christ, yeah, that we're in a perfect place to help people. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of the, the things that you've said in these verses are linking this joy with suffering. And so you're bringing up that we are kind of, we're in a time of suffering right now, very kind of real visceral suffering with COVID and just division in our country. So how can we find joy that like this joy that Paul is speaking of you think in the midst of, I mean, I think one example that you gave already is that conversation with people that you all were able to sit down for just two hours, different walks of life. And, and that seemed like there was joy able to come from that. So what other maybe ways can we find joy in our suffering right now, would you say? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, we can go back to that verse and in, in verse three, you know, I thank God in my remembrance of you, mm -hmm. you know, and so when we're in a pit, you know, Paul's imprisoned. Mm -hmm. You know, what else do you have? How much time during the course of the day did he go without speaking with anyone until maybe one of the jailers came up? You know, and so what, all you have sometimes is that memory. And yeah, we can fall back on all the things that have happened in our life and how our life is not heading in the direction that we would like it to head, but we have our memories. Uh, and can we then cultivate that sense of gratitude uh, for the people and the things that have come in, in and out of our life? And for the Lord, who the thing that I constantly come back to, you know, if Christ is really life, it's it means that the Christ is always present, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that enables me to continue moving forward. You know, and for me, I guess that that drops us down to verse fifteen through verses fifteen through eighteen uh, in this first chapter, where he actually challenges some of the the, the difficulties that we can face as Christians and tries to help us get through them to to keep focused on that on that memory on that remembrance of our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, "Of course, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others from goodwill. The latter act out of love, aware that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not with pure motives, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What difference does it make?" As long as in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. I mean, I, when I hear that, I go, why would I want to listen to anybody who has the base motive of preaching right? Christ, about talking about the risen Lord from envy or rivalry, right. right? Of course, we want goodwill, right? That's where we want our motive to be. And yet he says, look, what difference does it make? As long as Christ is being proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. 
And that for me is the, the way through our difficulties. If Christ is constantly talked about, even if there are bad motives, even if sometimes the image is skewed, Christ is going to be able to do something with that. Ooh. How amazing is that? I have to sit with that. <laughs> that one got me because that's not where I thought he was going. Like when we when you started with 15 and 16, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the latter is going to be the right way and the former is going to be the wrong way. But that's not where he goes. He goes you know, and says that like, it doesn't matter, like you said, unless Christ is being preached. I'm going to sit with that. But I think you're right. I think that eventually, if we're talking about Christ, we're going to get there, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You can keep going. Yeah. I just, I was really struck. I was really struck by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's good. You know, I mean, even in our selfishness, right? The Lord can work. The gospel can be proclaimed, you know? Uh, and so that brings me back, I think, to some of the things that we used to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what? What good he works through our mess. And I, as I remember you saying routinely, you know, our hot mess. <laughs> that was a popular phrase in the early 2000s. Yes. <laughs> that oh, sounds yeah. like me. Oh, yeah. I was that hot mess. When we're talking about, you were talking about memories earlier and the things that you're writing on your Bible, like during net. And that year was, I mean, you can correct me and we all have our different memories and stuff, but I mean, that was a tough year for sure for me, but one that I go back. So if we're talking about like joy and suffering, even though I maybe didn't consider that year for myself, like a super joyful year, I go back to it mm -hmm. so much because I learned so much that year. And I, that was always our joke on the road. It's like other teams got to have fun and we got to grow, you know, but like, <laughs> I feel that way. I, I actually just did a reflection on a Hebrews passage recently, and Hebrews was really prevalent for me when we were on the road, because again, it was like about getting disciplined, right? Like that, that Christ was disciplined to the point of like suffering and death and all that. And I was like, yeah, I'm being disciplined. I don't know. Anyways, this is. Yeah, it's, no, that's huge. That's perfect. So it kind of all ties in here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thank God again. Verse three, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when I look back on the hard times, I'm like, yeah, but those hard times are with these people. Yeah. You know, and we had those conversations like, am I going to stay in touch with you? Am I not going to stay in touch with you? We had that closing encounter, just the two of us. We were like, yeah, we had the year. All right. See you later. <laughs> uh, and, and look, all these years later, we're, we're you know, we're minutes uh, down the road from one another. Beautiful, really beautiful. Totally. Actually, this is an aside, but um, you're probably being the curmudgeon that you are. Um, we're not really super into reality TV like I am. Do you remember the show The Real World from MTV, like in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. So they've rebooted it because they're rebooting everything. And they were talking about like their, it's 30 years later that they recorded it. And they were talking about their experience, like that they were the first ones to do this. And they certainly didn't all get along. That was the whole premise of like seven strangers, you know, coming together. And that's kind of what we did on net, I feel like too, right? We were all picked for these different walks of life. And they were talking about like they're forever united in that experience. And I feel like that's the same for us too. So I don't know. We're actually, yeah, yeah you're right. Like we've stayed connected and that's God's plan and Anyways, it's taking us a little bit away from this this verse, but I am grateful for no, no, it's good. that time. It's beautiful. Yeah, totally. So we get to verse, so we get to verse twenty one. For to me, life is Christ, death is gain. Uh, and I think for me, if we if we looked at verse twenty, and I encourage our listeners just to go back and read through this chapter. It's short, and it'll all kind of pull together. The key is the verse twenty. My eager expectation and hope is that I shall not be put to shame in any way, but that with all boldness, now as always. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Um, you know, this for me calls to mind uh, the great hymn 
uh, of Our Lady in the Gospel of St. Luke, the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know, the more of an instrument we can become for divine grace, even if we've got weird motives in the background, the more others see Christ in and through us. The more he becomes our life, and life becomes less about striving and more about simply living the moment to adore him in our simple actions, our simple conversations, you know, the way we apply ourselves to the task at hand. Um, you know, and so two more, two more points. In verse 23, St. Paul says, I'm caught between the two, being with the Lord or remaining to fight the good fight. I long to depart this life and be with Christ, for that is far better. You know, so it's really, Lord, help me to long to be with you. Help me to long to remain and preach and live the gospel for the sake of souls. Um, you know, and that, that kind of brings me back again to that, that scene from last night. Because I was willing to be present, I could get pulled aside for two hours to talk about the Lord. You know, yeah, I might long to be with the Lord. I might long to be done with the pandemic and everything else that goes along with it in our lives, in our parishes, in our ministry. But he just simply says, look, be about this life. And Christ is there with you. And the more that you incline your heart to him, the more he begins to live in and through you for the sake of souls. Um, you know, in verse 29, it was really the conclusion of the chapter. For to you has been granted for the sake of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And that provides the context, again, a framework for us in, those, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of Paul sitting in prison. Right? Um, we're, he's given us life. And so he says, look, whatever you're doing, believe in him, be willing to suffer for him because he's right there and he's living in and through you. How often I have to remind myself of that in the midst of the little sufferings. He's living in me in these moments. So just be there. Um, and when I'm there with him, then suffering takes on a completely different character. Mm. Yeah, that's really well said. I, I feel like you are so good about being present and I don't I don't know if that's always come easy for you or if that's, I feel like you've, you've always been pretty good at, at that as long as I've known you, or I'm sure as a priest, mm -hmm. you get a lot of extra grace. I don't know. Do you feel like that comes natural to you? Cause I, you know, me, like my inclination is like, let's get moving. Let's move to the next point. <laughs> you know, I'm always thinking ahead. Do you always, have you always kind of been oh, like yeah, that yeah. very present? Yeah. Well, I think in the sense, like uh, I'm more of a back of the crowd kind of guy, like do not put me in front of the bleachers and have to talk to a bunch of kids about vocations and it's shocking. <laughs> I end up as the vocation director, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's the, I think that natural inclination just to sit and wait uh, and listen. You know, and as I've talked to various priests in the diocese recently and some of our discerners and our seminarians, they're like, yeah, usually when we have a conversation with Father Brian, he asks lots of questions and we just start talking and then he kind of takes it all in and then something happens after that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's partly instinct. And then yeah, I think like we used to talk about, it's road grace. There's grace in the moment for the task at hand. Uh, and the Lord comes in and he begins to work and he pushes us out of the way so that when our motives are all twisted up and, you know, like we said, we're a hot mess, <laughs> somehow in the end, like he, he's the one that's at the center. And it's beautiful. And it's, it's such a joy to be able, be able to be a part of those moments. And again, to occasionally look back and to remember, enjoy not just the moments, but the people. Yeah. I, it's funny that you bring up all this kind of like this mess, this hot mess. That was actually kind of my prayer this morning. I've just, again, about myself, like I'm such a control freak. I always like a plan. I'm so, and it's very hard for me to kind of work in that mess, but I really want to strive to be able to 
kind of live in that mess a little more because as you've been saying, there is beauty in that. I don't know, what, what advice do you have for someone like me who is trying to, to pray and work through that and live in that a little more? Sure. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing that I constantly come back to, and I'm like a broken record, I think, in the parish and among the seminarians, this moment is the moment that the Lord gives in his providence through your sanctification. So you're a hot mess in this moment, right? No worries. Like this moment somehow in, in spite of everything has been ordained to help purify you. And so if we can remember that, okay, Lord, I don't want this situation, but you're in it. You're my life. And this death that I'm experiencing in my suffering, you're willing, let's say, for me. So I'm just going to be here. I'm not going to try and run. I'm not going to try and get out of it. I'm not going to try and avoid the meeting or the Zoom call or whatever it might be. Ew. I'm just going to enter into it because you're going to do something with it. And there's something beautiful for me and for the other people involved in that moment. So I'm going to slow down and I'm just going to sit here with it. You know, I'm going to step to the back of the crowd and I'm going to ask the question. Uh, and then I'm going to see God willing. Oh, my gosh. But there's so many Zoom meetings. Like, not another Zoom meeting. <laughs> That's actually been one of my Lenten sacrifices or like things I'm trying to work on is to be more patient in Zoom meetings. And you know when you ask God for patience, then he just challenges you to work on patience. So it's been a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my challenges for myself this Lent is to actually go to a Zoom meeting on video because I'm yeah. constantly in the car on audio only. And it's just so easy, even when I'm sitting there in front of the computer, to turn the video off. Yep. But man, you turn it on and you make sure you're engaged, yeah. then what begins to happen? Even in the most dreariest of meetings, what might happen if I just say, Lord, I'm going to be present right now, right here. You know, I'm going to close my phone so I can't see what else is going on. I'm going to shut off all the other apps and all the other windows. And I'm just going to focus right here with these people or this situation that that I'm present before. It's such a 2021 Lenten promise, right? Like who thought, <laughs> and who would have thought that you would have been like having all these devices. I would have never thought you, when you got an iPhone, I was like, Oh my gosh, now you got. Oh, I long for the days <laughs> of the flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> Father Brian, what else would you like to say about this chapter of Philippians or this verse 21? Yeah, I think, I think it really, the whole chapter can be just distilled in this one line, you know, do we not experience Christian life from our own perspective? You know, so that ver first phrase, for to me, right? That's reflective of St. Peter and, the, and the need to be able to give a testimony. You know, people can't refute what we've experienced. All they can do is encounter what it is we're able to share about our, our experience. And then as Christians, what is our experience? Christ. That's what it means to be alive. To be more like him, to be able to be an instrument for him, allows us to be fully alive, to really discover who we really are. And then we can put away all of our striving uh, and simply be with him. And then when death comes, however quickly, or maybe it'll come at the end of a long life, it's always gain. And I, do we not need to hear that now in the midst of so much suffering and, and strange situations of people dying? You know, for us as Christians, to die is, is to gain. Uh, and so the only way, and the way to do that then is, of course, to live with him. And so for me, that's what I want, is to be with Christ, to live with Christ, uh, to share Christ in, in the small circumstances, the insignificant circumstances of my life. And then God willing at the end, 
to gain. Uh, what a beautiful thing to gain everlasting life. And, uh, you know, God forbid to have to repeat this in some weird incarnational thing. <laughs> or, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to come back as a slug and have to do everything all over again in reincarnation, right? Uh, I, <laughs> I want to be with the Lord forever. Yeah. And I, I think that does kind of sum up what we've been talking about, that in death, like whatever that death is, whether that be a literal death or a figurative or kind of like a emotional death, there can be joy in new life and things have to die in order to live. And so you're talking about eternal life, but I think we can apply that to many things. So it's really such a simple verse. And then Christ always being that focus. I love how you kept bringing it back mm-hmm. to like Christ in the present moment, like, you know, no matter what situation, hot mess, whatever, it's like, it's Christ is there and to, to sit with that. And it, I think we, we do get into all these other like deep meanings and, you know, we want to figure out all these other self-reflective things, but it really just is about, about Christ. So thank you for bringing us back to that today, Father Brian. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you for the opportunity. This has been great to catch up a little bit and to, and to share. Yeah. To walk down memory lane. Is there anything that you would like to plug or point us to at the end here, like a website? I know you're not the social media guy, but you've got, you've got a big job now. So do you want anything you want us to check out? Uh, well, no, cause I'm definitely not the social media guy, but, uh, I will say I'd encourage you to check out year of St. Joseph. Okay. Uh, it actually is a website from the diocese of Charlotte. Okay. They have some great resources for Catholics in this year of St. Joseph, uh, to be able to draw close to our universal patron. Uh, you know, in the parish, we've been praying this uh, prayer to St. Joseph at the end of Sunday masses. And, and it's really beautiful. It's convicting. The, the last phrase is, Oh, St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating thee. And Jesus is asleep in thine arms. I don't do that. And yet every single Sunday we pray that and it forces me to reconsider. And so we're there in the church and up above the altar is this beautiful stained glass window of St. Joseph kind of at the same time gazing out toward the congregation and gazing down at our Lord. And our Lord is firmly fixed on the congregation. Mm. Uh, He's looking outward from the image. And man, how often do I need to hear that? You know, I, I don't want to approach while he reposes near your heart. So you, you press him in my name. You kiss his fine head for me uh, and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. That's the last phrase. And again, it brings us right back because I know death is gain. And so in the meantime, Christ is, has his gaze fixed on me and I want to have my gaze fixed on him. So check out that year of St. Joseph for a, a plethora of resources as we engage this holy year. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that we've been given this year. I love the opportunity to reflect on St. Joseph. And if you all are interested in talking scripture with me, you can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats. I'd love to talk scripture with you. You can DM me if you want to be a guest. You can also find me on Twitter at MissStruckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1, if you want to talk religious education, stream activities. I'd love to talk to you. So thanks again, Father Brian, for being here. It's so great to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Julia. Bye, everyone.